Well, you might have noticed uh, we still have the setup from Vacation Bible School. You might have noticed that uh, there's some extended things around the room. And if you went to the Fellowship Center, we have a lot still showing in terms of all that went on this past week. And if you, for whatever reason, peeked into the chapel, uh, our place where the Bible chapel was transformed into a place where we wanted to communicate just significant truth to the children. And if I were to summarize everything that was tried to be done in terms of the essence of the truth we were trying to share is that we wanted children, and we all realize that the, the Bible's favorite way to describe us, no matter what our age, is we are what? We are children. So either we are uh, chronologically young children or we are chronologically a little older children, that uh, we are uh, beginning our faith or we are continuing on our faith, but we are children in need of being dependent upon someone greater than us. And so our, our, our passion was for children of the younger age as well as their families to realize who Jesus is or who God is and also what God is like. And that's so essential. You can tell a lot about a person about their view of God. What, how do they picture God? What do they think God is like? And then even more fundamentally, do they believe that God is knowable? Some believe there is a supreme being up in the universe somewhere, uh, but they don't believe he's knowable, that somehow he's the one who started the clock, wound it up, and now set it up on the canister or whatever it might be, and it's, it's ticking, but there's no, one to, no way to really determine who that one who wound the clock up. But the good news is, is that we can know who God is and what he is like. And, and so that was, that was the challenge this week. And uh, we had the children flood the stage. Uh, I think it was the most children we've ever had up here on the stage singing. And, and they talked about the mystery island. And really, in various ways, we described every child, over 80 children this week, as islanders. They were invited to come to a particular island. And the island was the mystery island. And, and what was the mystery? The mystery was, well, what is God like? And, and can we know him? What is God like anyway? And through every means possible, we, we try to communicate the truth about God and who God is. Whether it was that which was done on the stage with a drama, or, and whether the stage which kind of pictured some things that were happening on the island, or whether it was all the decorations in every room possible, it was to communicate truth. And, and then as you think about the songs, they were, they were sung not just to get the, the children uh, enthusiastic, but there was truth built in every song that was sung. And, and, and the verses that were to be memorized were to point people again to who is God and what is he like? And as you think about what was happening in the drama, their, their big challenge was to, to find hidden treasure. And you had this little treasure box that was given to children at the end of the week. And it was all to, again, submit to them. There is a treasure in this world, but it's not the treasure of this world. It's the treasure of one who created this world. This is the one you need to know. He is the greatest treasure that was ever brought to man. And, and Jesus talked about that story where once you find this, the treasure in the field, you'd sell everything to get that treasure. And whether it was through Science projects that portrayed miraculous things that God does in the natural world he has created. Whether it was through the crafts in which it pictured God's handiwork in people's lives. Uh, whether it was um, the, the interaction between each leader to each child. All these islanders were getting, again, just challenged with the reality is that you can know what God is like and you can know God. 
And you can discover that the, the treasure, the greatest treasure is God himself. And of course, all the, all the stories, all the Bible teaching in our, in our Bible chapel, in a creative way, emphasize that theme. And we're going to look at that. And, and it was not only did you have the, the characters who took on a character to present the truth, but we had some visitors. We had the Apostle Paul show up. And, and Monty, just raise your hand. He was the Apostle Paul. And in case you ever want to know what Apostle Paul looks like, just like Monty, all right? We had a puppet who came and shared insightful truth. And, and there were maps and there were, there were object lessons in every place to, to drive home the truth about who God is. So this morning I thought that we would spend some time allowing you to get in on what our children got in on. Because in reality, as we had a simple truth, we also had significant truths that everyone needs to wrestle with. In many ways, we took them to Bible school. We took them to seminary. Because what we taught them was what they call in seminary theology proper. Who is God? What is the nature of God? Theology, theos, God, ology, study. The study of God. There is no greater study. It is the, it is the prince of disciplines because God doesn't want to made or anything. So we ought to be all theologians in the sense of that we know God. Not that we went to formal training, but we, we understand what God has revealed about himself. And as I share some of the truths this morning, I want you to know that, that God has revealed himself in two ways. This book, this is a rather big book, and mine doesn't have a whole lot of pictures in it, all right? Is that this is a book, and some of it's easy to understand, and some of it's more challenging to understand. But it's all about God writing a letter for us to read and understand about who he is, who we are, and what it takes to know him and know him deeply. That's what's called special revelation. But on the other hand, God has revealed himself in what he has made and what he has created. That's called natural revelation. That, that, that God has, has shown himself uh, as who he is. And I think it's Psalm 19 where it says, you look up in the heavens at night, and particularly if you're out of the, out of the city, you, you can see all his handiwork in the heavens. And it says the heavens declare the what? The glory of God. The, the, how did all this come into being by accident? That who, can, who can understand the beauty of his creation unless there's a God in his handiwork put every star in place? So this morning as I try to share some of the highlights of, of God and what he's like anyway, uh, we're, we're going to look from special revelation to natural revelation and, and just take off on some of the things that were shared in a significant way with the children. It, it was not dumbed down. There, there were some... There were significant truths that they were to now understand about God that maybe they hadn't thought about uh, as much as they had ever thought about until this week. So what, what is God like? What is God like anyway? Now, whenever you have a theme and whenever you start to, to do anything, it, it's really helpful if you begin at the beginning. Now, we're not going to start at the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, but we are going to start with the theme, the kind of the theme verse uh, though it was probably not as emphasized as much in terms of their memory work. But it, I think it kind of gets us a launch pad for what is it about God that we need to understand to begin with. It's found, it's found in Psalm 145 verse 1. It says this, I will extol you, which is a fancy way to say I will praise you. And who are you praising? My God and King and if I praise you or extol you, my God and King, uh, what am I going to do? What's the natural response from that? 
and I will bless your name forever and ever. So if you ever wonder, what is on your job description? What's in your portfolio if you are a child of God? Not just one who's been made by God, but a child of God. Uh, in the midst of all that God wants us to be and to do, not only now, but also forever and ever, He wants us to be people who recognize He is worthy of our praise. We ought, we ought to be overwhelmed by His goodness, by who He is, and we should never tire of praising Him and, and what He's all about. And maybe there's some things in this natural world that kind of challenges you. Maybe you have some favorite places. Maybe there's a favorite beach you like to see or there's a place where the sunset or sunrise comes up or, or, or maybe the, the, the beauty of a, of a lake or a stream and you're just overwhelmed by just the handiwork of that which is made that's right before you. Well, we want to go from what God has made to recognize the one who has made it. And God, to begin with, is worthy of our praise not only now, but forever and ever. So here's the beginning. We're going to submit to you, and we submitted all week to them, that God is worthy to be praised forever and ever. But if you're going to be honest, if someone tells you what to do, often you're going to ask yourself the question that people make mistakes. Sorry. <laughs> is... Um, as we think about it, is you have to ask your question, why? Why is God worthy of our praise? What's so special about him compared to everything else in this world? Well, that's what we threw out to them day after day. Why is God worthy of our praise? Well, I got five truths to share with you that we were trying to share with the, the children, the little children, now with the bigger children today. First of all, God is great. God is great. And that's the memory verse for this next month. Uh, Psalm 145, verse 3. God is great, and His greatness is... Uh, God is great and worthy to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Now, God, uh, great is the Lord. I'm sorry. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. And as you think about that, it, that's, that's fundamental in knowing what it, God is like. God is great. Great is the Lord. In fact, he's so great, it says his greatness is, what's the phrase there? Unsearchable, which means no matter how much you think about the greatness of God, you'll never mind the depths of his greatness. He's beyond comparison. In fact, most things in life, that's what we do. We, com we compare the value of something by comparing it with something else. And in the, in the ministry of the Bible chapel, uh, they, they gave some symbols or things for people, the little ones, to drive home uh, the, the attribute or the characteristic of God that they were emphasizing that day. And the symbol here was they, they raised the, the number one. God is one. He, he is one in that there are no other gods, but he's also one in that there's no one like God. Sometimes we use in our Everyday life, when something happens uh, unusual or special, we say, well, that was unique. Anybody ever use that phrase? That's a unique. That's how you describe it. That was, that was really unique. I, I never had that before. never experienced that. Well, the, the truth is, is that, that God is really the only one, ultimately, you could say that about. Because there's no one to compare God to. And if you look at it biblically, and this is the Bible story shared there by the Apostle Paul, Monty, is that you look at 
you look at Paul going to a place that was, uh, I guess you could call it the Harvard and Yale of that day. He, he went to Athens. And, and they prided themselves about talking about deep things. They thought they were deep thinkers. And they, when they conversed about it, they thought they were helping people out and, help, and letting them think deeply about important subjects. Well, the, the day he was in town, in fact, in the weeks he was in town, they, they were talking about God. And they thought they knew a lot about God. And then there was this, you know, this person coming in that they didn't know. And, and he, really, he really spoke to them about, about God. And says, you know, I've been listening to you. And you keep talking about the unknown God. Have you ever thought about what you're saying? You're saying all these things about the unknown God. And yet you're, you're describing him as unknowable. Well, if you're unknowable, all, that, what, everything you're saying about it here is, is this filled with ignorance. Because you can't, you can't talk about what you don't know, right? I've done that many times. But, you know, you shouldn't be talking about things you don't know anything about. And, and that's what he was saying to him. And then he went on to decide that, look, it, there is only one God. There aren't many gods. And, and God has revealed himself so completely and plainly, not only by what he said and what he did, but more profoundly. Because he, being a man, predicted what was, why he was here, fully God and fully man, he went to the cross, died, and three days later rose from the dead. And so we wanted to emphasize to them that, look, there is only one God, that God has revealed himself, and he is great, and his greatness is unsearchable. Now, there are various ways you can try to illustrate that, and one is through special revelation, what the Bible says, but also natural revelation. There was also some creature features. You, you can know all about God by what he has made. And there were various animals of various sizes that we looked at. And, and one of the animals we looked at to begin with is a, is a chameleon. Now, I want to treat you all as children because that's really what you are, okay? Everybody hold up their, their, their pinky, okay? You're a lot better than the other group. Come on, Al, you got to hold up your pinky. All right, so th this, is, this is the size. There are various sizes. Chameleons are rather small creatures. You can put them down now. You don't have to hold the whole thing. And, 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 and chameleons are... are at least in their smallest revelation of them or unveiling of themselves, are, are very, very small. And sometimes when we look at small things, we think they're insignificant. But, but God being great, he made these little creatures called chameleons. And not only to make them small, but they still could thrive. And what he did for them is he, he made them with the capacity and ability to change colors, Right? And they can blend into their environment. And even though they're in dangerous situations, if they can blend in because of the greatness of God, what he's done for them, he can keep them safe. And as you think about being able to change colors, that means you are changing. And that can be a good thing in terms of God wanting us to change to be more like him. But as we think about God being unique, being great, he is the one being in all this universe that doesn't have to what? Change. Because you don't have to change if you're already perfect, right? And so as we think about God, His greatness is unsearchable because He, is, he, is, he doesn't need to be changed. He's created all these creatures, even little chameleons, who are very fragile in so many different ways. He's given them a, a, the, ability by, the ability to change uh, so they could be protected and cared for. But also to remember the one who has made the one who changes all the time is the one who doesn't need to be changed because God is great. But as we think about, again, God is worthy to be praised forever and ever, our God and our King. We do that, the why, because God is great, but also because God is almighty. 
Now, as I share with you, as we, we, the team, shared the principles of truth about what God is like, which is theology, uh, as they did that, they, they, they wanted to drive home with object lessons what that means. And so the second day was all about saying, well, today we want you to remember the letter O. Okay, so when you leave today, I want you to remember the letter what? O. And said, so, well, if, let, me, let me explain to you how they explain it. I don't know if they said this, but in seminary or Bible school. The letter O is the lead-in to describing who God is. And it's that O begins with the letter of the word omni. And what does the word omni mean? The word omni means what? All. And so as we think about God being almighty, what we're saying, he's omni. Now the full phrase of that, say, we, we did not dumb down vacation Bible school. They were going to Bible school this week. That omni is omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. And you could also put that phrase to omniscience, which means all-knowing. And you can put that phrase to um, omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. The God is spirit. He's not limited like we are. And so as we think about the God that is worthy of our praise, uh, God who is worthy to be believed in, God who is worthy to be followed, God who is, willing, willing, is, is worthy to be served and to be known. He's, 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 he's great and he's almighty. Now again, you can, you can look in natural revelation a little bit on this. But before we do that, we'll look at special revelation. The story here was about Jonah. And if you know anything about Jonah, Jonah uh, was a prophet of God and, and God asked him to do something he didn't want to do. Have you ever had anybody ask you to do something you didn't want to do? You know, sometimes it's with people with skin on, uh, but sometimes that person without skin on, it's God himself. And, and, and you're in a situation where you know what God wants you to do, but simply you don't want to do it or you don't feel you're capable of doing it or, or whatever reason. But if we understand who God is, he's great, but he's also almighty. Whatever God asks you to do, he'll give you the power to do it. And if you don't realize he has the power to do it and the wisdom wants you to do it, He'll give you an object lesson. So Jonah, it says in Jonah chapter 1 that he left uh, where he was at to go to Tarsus, which is as far away from the place God wanted him to go. And it says this in a little phrase in Jonah. He left because he wanted to leave the presence of God. Now, now Jonah was used in a mighty way toward the end of this story, still somewhat reluctantly. Uh, but can you get any more foolish than that, thinking that you can somehow run from God? I mean, I, that's just, that's just mind-boggling if you really realize that God is almighty because God is able to be at every place at the same time. So he left Tarsus, got on a boat, and a storm rose that God purposely threw out to that little ship, and they recognized the reason that storm arose because Jonah had disobeyed God. He thought he could run from God, and then he realized he couldn't run from God. And so as we think about Almighty, you need to realize that, that God always knows where you're at, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and why you need him to be right next to you. We don't have time to tell the rest of that story, but one of the animals in, in, the, in the world that God has created is the octopus. Now the octopus is interesting. Now I, I told you that the chameleon was the size of your little what? Pinky. The size of the octopus that we're looking at today is the size of your fist. There's some octopuses, octopuses or octopi, I don't know what the plural of octopuses are, is the size of your fist. Everybody make a fist. 
I just want to keep you awake, okay? So you make a fist. That's, that's the size of the, the octopus. And you, as you think about that, uh, the, there's many things we could tell you about that little animal. What uh, do you call, well, what, are fishes animals? Are you supposed to say there's something else? Well, anyway, the, 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 the octopus, one of the things that, about this particular type of octopus is that it can go into the ocean depths a half a mile deep. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to dive any length of period, you know, as far as depth. A half a mile is a long ways down. And if you were to go down, I've, I've done some uh, deep sea diving, but near, not anywhere close to that. It's very, very dark down there. And the illustration is here. Even though this, this fist of, a, of an octopus goes a half a mile down in the, into the depths of the sea, no matter how dark it is down there, God is always with that little octopus can see clearly what's going on in his life. So as we think about what is God like, he's worthy to be praised forever and ever, he's great, he's almighty, no matter what happens in your life, God is powerful enough to be there, to know what's going on, and have the power to do something about it. But as we continue on in the whole revelation of who God is or unveiling of who he is is that God is not only um, great he's not only almighty in fact I gotta I gotta throw some verses in here as well we we already looked at Psalm 145 verse 3 which is a psalmist talking about God great is the Lord great to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable under God is uh, almighty we have God speaking about himself and there's all kinds of ways God communicates through the scripture. Sometimes it's somebody talking about him. Sometimes it's God talking about himself. Sometimes there's an angelic being talking about him, which we'll look at in a moment. But in Jeremiah it says this. It says, Behold, I am the Lord. And this is God speaking. Behold, I am the Lord. And in case you're not impressed with that, the God of all flesh. Not the God of, you know, just a few people. I'm the God of all flesh. And then he says this. Is there anything too hard for me? Now, just in case you're still struggling with God as Almighty, what is the answer to this question? Is, is there anything too hard for God? No. And, and we wanted to communicate that so plainly because God's Word commits it, uh, submits it that plainly to little children and children like us today. God is great. God is Almighty. But God is also the ruler. He is, he is ruler. And sometimes when we begin to think about, you know, the presence of God and the the knowledge of God and the revelation of God, uh, we forget the, the challenge for how we are supposed to live. That, that He's in charge. He's the one who calls the shots. He is the one who is to lead. He is the Lord. Jesus is Savior and Lord. He's the one that we are to follow. And, and when you think about that, there's so much we need to realize that, that as we go through that, He wants us to recognize He, he is like no one else. In, Psalm, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, and this is where we don't have the, the psalmist telling us about God. We don't have God speaking to himself. We have an angelic being. They're having a conversation with each other. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. Holy is one of those words, it's almost untranslatable because there's a fullness in what that means. You, you could say perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, it, it really has that even set apart like no other. 
is the Lord of hosts. And so as we, again, just think about who are we following, and that's really the, the, the bottom line for us this morning. Who, who are you following? Are you following the true God, the God that is great, the God is the Almighty, the God is the ruler? Sometimes we can get impressed with ourselves or others and think they're more important than even God. Now, the, the animal in the, the world that was spoken to here was the, the story of, of uh, the great white shark. Anybody like sharks? Anybody want to go swimming when they have a shark alert? Uh, you know, sharks are pretty significant. They're a little bit bigger than your pinky. They're a little bit bigger than your fist. They're the size of a small bus. They weigh about 7,000 pounds. They can travel pretty quickly in case you think you can outswim them about 35 miles per hour. You don't want to mess with sharks. Uh, if, if lions are the king of the jungle, the shark is the ruler of the seas. And as significant as that is, we need to recognize that if you want to see how great God is, just compare him with that which he has created. As great as the great white shark is, it's nothing to compare to God. The shark might rule the seas, but God rules everything in the universe. And we want to throw that out to them and emphasize that you need to understand this is, this is God's plan for recognizing he is God, we are not, we are to follow him. So what is God like anyway? What is your God like? God is great. God is almighty. All the omnis. Omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscience. He is the ruler. And, and, and then we got to the point where we're saying, well, what, is that, what does that have to do with you? What does that have to do with me as we talk to the children and as we talk together this morning? Okay, that, 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 is, the, that is the exam. That's on the test. You know, what is God like? But does that have anything to do with me? And so on the fourth day, which is our fourth point this morning, is, is God is Emmanuel. And sometimes we, you know, we, we kind of wonder, well, I thought his name was Jesus. Well, it is Jesus. But in the first chapter of Matthew, it, it says also there's a, there's a title to describe him. Just like the word Christ is, is not his last name. That's a title. He's the promised one. He's the anointed one. His name was Jesus who came to save us from our sin. But he is called Emmanuel. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what we want to recognize about God is that God is noble. He's not the unknown God. He's the knowable God. And why is he noble? Because he became man so that we could know him. He's the, he's the God man, fully God and fully man. And, and Romans 5 eight says this, and, and he demonstrated, but God showed his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we have Jesus arriving on the scene at Christmas, and then we have Jesus living out his life, and then describing and illustrating he is with us. He went to the cross, demonstrating who he is and the power over death. And so it's all about knowing that he is Noah Bull. You know, as you think of a story like that. I want, I want to go from a tiny animal, which is the chameleon, to the small animal, which is the jellyfish, to the big animal, which is the shark. And now I'll talk about a microscopic animal. And, and the, the microscopic animal is the jellyfish. And what's the significant about the jellyfish is one, it's, well, if you were, hold up that pinky. I got one more illustration with your, your pinky, all right? 
Now go to the nail on your pinky. That's the size of the jellyfish we're going to talk about. It's a jellyfish called the immortal jellyfish. And you're thinking, that's kind of a strange name, an immortal jellyfish. I didn't think anything was immortal other than God himself. And, and, and what the story about it, and I don't know all the specifics other than what I've read, is that this little microscopic animal that we would say is insignificant, and when you think of the bigness of God, the greatness of God, the power of God, we're kind of like this little fingernail, aren't we? We're, we're pretty small. We're pretty insignificant. But this little jellyfish, what, why they call it immortal is, it, is they look at its, its life journey as God has made in such a way that unless it can't find food and God has given it 90 tentacles to kind of reach out to food wherever it's going, and unless it's eaten by some other fish in the sea, that this little jellyfish can probably live forever. It is made in such a way that it will just continue to exist unless it can't eat, unless uh, it's eaten by someone else. And, and really, isn't this the story of God revealing himself? You know, we, we all have a beginning. And the Bible says we all have a, a future but if we're really going to continue to live life as God intended us to live in his presence, we can come, become immortal in, a sense, in his presence when we give our life to the one who's from the beginning to the end. And that jellyfish has some qualifications because it could be eaten and it could not have enough to eat. But we will live forever. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes me will live even if he what? Dies. And, and so God alone is the one who can give us life that will last forever. Pictured a little bit again in what he has made. Even that little jellyfish, that immortal jellyfish that still has some qualifications, but we will have a life that lasts forever. So what is God like anyway? God is worthy to be blessed, praised forever and ever because he is great, he's almighty, he's the ruler, and he's Emmanuel, God with us. And then finally, at the end of the week, we're saying, look at, we want you to understand, th this is good news. This is not just academic. God, God wants to have a unique relationship with you because God is trustworthy. Because, because who wants to enter into a relationship with someone you can't trust? Who, who wants to have a, uh, an eternal relationship with, with someone you're not sure, I, I, I don't even want to spend five minutes with that person. Why would I just want to spend eternity with that person? And if you can't trust someone, it's impossible to have a relationship with them. And God is trustworthy. And that's really stated in that passage that's familiar to many of you. Trust in the Lord with all your, what? Heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Does anyone here understand everything? In all your ways acknowledge Him, which means in the, throughout life, when things happen, don't just result to your own ability to, to, to go through it. Acknowledge God's presence in your life because he's always present with you. And then it says this, and he will straighten your paths, which implies something, doesn't it? If God needs to straighten our paths, some of the paths we're walking aren't very what? They're not very straight. He is the one who can change us in the ways our lives need to be changed. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him, and He will straighten your path. 
you know, as you think about what could illustrate that story, in our Bible chapel, they, they went to a, a story in 1 Samuel 17. Um, let's see if you can help me out. It's the story of David and, um, David and uh, Goliath, right? And, and you look at that story, and there's so many principles you can turn, uh, turn to or, or think through a little bit like that. But basically, David was in a situation that no one felt that they could, in Israel's land, handle the opposition that was from this giant of a man who was threatening all of Israel. And, and David did not have any armor, did not have any training, other than being a pretty good shot with a sling slot, sh slingshot. But he trusted in the Lord because he was, he was convinced that the God who had, had been faithful, worthy of being trusted, in all his time as being a little boy shepherd, if he could trust him then, he can trust him now. And so as we think about this God is worthy to be praised, he's great, he's almighty, he's the ruler, he's Emmanuel, God with us, and he's able and deserving of our trust because he is trustworthy. The little creature that illustrated that was a macaw or a parrot. And a parrot's kind of an interesting little creature in a variety of different ways. But as you think about the parrot, the parrot, uh, if you've seen any pirate movies, you know, you have the captain on the ship and he's, you know, guiding all his, uh, his uh, shipmates to the next destination. A lot of times on one shoulder, that, there's a little animal there, a little bird. And what is that bird? It's a, it's a parrot, right? And what... I learned this week is a, is a parrot. He, he's not immortal like the, the little jellyfish, but he's a, he's a bird that can live as, as much as 90 years. And we know Betty's going to live another 90 years, but you know, 90 years is a significant period of time. And, and the whole point there is, is, is that they say that pirate captains love to have parrots because those parrots became lifelong friends. Some of you have pets and you realize dog, ear, dog ears and all those things. How long is that, that pet of yours going to last? And you, you've had the experience of having one of your pets pass away. Well, that parrot is one that, that will be there for you. You can trust him throughout your entire life. And really, that's a story about what God is like. He's not only trustworthy, but he's the one that you can have a relationship with forever. You can be, he can be trusted. So what's the point this morning? The point this morning is the same point we wanted to make with the children. Who are you following? Who are you believing in? Who have you surrendered your life to? Have you surrendered your life to the one who is worthy of all your allegiance to, all your commitments that you make, all the trust you put in him? And, and why would you put your trust in him? Because he's great, he's almighty, he's the ruler, he's Emmanuel. He is trustworthy. He can be your lifelong friend. And Jesus made that, that transition. He said, I, I, I used to call you slaves and now I call you my friend in John chapter 15. Who are you following? Who are you believing in? Who have you surrendered and keep surrendering your life to? Who are you trusting in each day? Is it the God who revealed himself or is it God made in your own mind or your own image? God has revealed himself. Let's trust in him. Let's pray together.
Our Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you that you do not leave us on Mystery Island wondering who is God? Is he knowable? Or what is he like? But you revealed yourself fully in Jesus. And Father, I would pray for each one here that they have made that step, that commitment, that choice to admit their need, to believe and trust in who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for them. That they've chosen to commit to you, to forever receive that what you have offered. And might we give our lives to you and that might we each day decide that we want to live for you because you're worthy of our praise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.